Hey everybody, welcome back to the Honest Roth Podcast. I'm Tom Eisenberg, and here we are two weeks into the NBA season. Um, I have a lot of thoughts so far on what I've seen. We're going to try to hit on, you know, some of these topics. I'm not going to hit on every team this week. You know, I did that for the first week. It's, something it's not something that's realistically possible every week, but I'm going to try to hit on, you know, the, the more marquee teams this week. You know, we'll talk about some more storylines as the year goes on. Uh, every team will have their shine I'm just, at some point, I'm sure. Uh, even the Memphis Grizzlies are getting shined today. Uh, maybe not for the good reasons. But first things first, the James Harden trade. It happened literally um, the same night I uploaded the last podcast. Right? I uploaded the podcast on uh, Tuesday morning, I think. And then that night, James Harden got traded. Uh, maybe it was Monday. Something like that. I think it was on Halloween. It was like the eve between October 30th and 30th. Something like that. So anyway, James Harden is a clipper. Um, Nick Batum, PJ Tucker... No, P.J. Tucker got sent with Harden from the Sixers to the Clippers. The Clippers sent an unprotected first of their own, um, a Nuggets first, I think, from OKC, and then a swap for Harden. Uh, they kept Terrence Mann. They also sent Batum, Marcus Morris, and Covington. So Covington is back on the Sixers. He has a chance to become their uh, second all-time in three-pointers made for them uh, because he, I think he's third right now, and he's pretty close to passing Allen Iverson. And now he's back, so... That's another fun storyline there for the Sixers, who have been uh, surprisingly good. Maybe I shouldn't say surprisingly, but they've looked better than I expected. Uh, helps when Tobias Harris, Kelly Oubre, and Maxi are all playing, you know, out of their minds. Um, because I don't, I don't expect them to have the numbers they have right now. Embiid is obviously great, but uh, I do think Maxi's gonna, you know, this is like his breakout year. But I don't think he's gonna average like he's averaging twenty six right now on like fifty percent from deep. Like that's not sustainable. Uh, Tobias Harris averaging twenty. That's plausible. Uh, and Ubre, I don't, I don't see it. I know he did it last year, but last year he was getting way more touches than now. So again, I don't, I don't really see that. I do think they're going to be, you know, a pretty solid team though. High forties wins, maybe low fifties uh, if they get lucky. But I don't want to talk about them. So James Harden is on the Clippers. Uh, the trade that we knew was coming, and we just didn't know when. We knew it was going to happen. Uh, I'm surprised Terrence Mann didn't go. I thought the Clippers would give in. Because clearly the Clippers are desperate, right? People are saying, oh, Philly was so desperate that they traded Harden without even getting Mann back. It's like, yeah, well, you have to be pretty dress- desperate to want to consider James Harden at all. Like, this is the guy you want to add to your team. I get it. You're the Clippers, right? You've never done anything. And Kawhi and Paul George are free agents this summer. You have the new arena coming up. So you don't want to just, you know, go into next year with nothing, right? You don't know what's going to happen. Although I think I think if they had offered extensions to Kawhi and Paul George, they would have signed them. I feel like this is more the Clippers didn't offer them one rather than the, the star players saying no. Because, like, where the fuck are they going to go, right? There's no, nobody, nobody good has cap space, right? Philly will have cap space. So one of them could go to Philly if they wanted to, which I doubt. They're both from Los Angeles or from Southern California. So I don't, I don't really see them leaving. But anyway, so you trade for James Harden, who's also a free agent, by the way. And every team that traded for James Harden, it hasn't worked out. Besides Houston, um, that was different. But since he started making all these trade requests three years ago, it hasn't worked out, right? In the 2021 season, he's like, I don't want to be a Rocket anymore. And they trade him to the Brooklyn Nets for a haul, right? They get all those draft picks, all that stuff. The Nets are unstoppable. They have injuries. Kyrie is anti-vax, you know, Kyrie being Kyrie. And Harden is like, I don't want to play with this anymore. Totally reasonable, right? I get he wanted to leave the Rockets. He was there forever. That's fine. I get he wanted to leave the Nets. I wouldn't want to play with Kyrie either. Then he goes to the Sixers, which was one of the teams that he was mentioning in the beginning, right? When he was trying to get out of Houston, he was like, Brooklyn or Philly? He ends up going to Brooklyn. Brooklyn trades him to Philly for Ben Simmons, Drummond, Seth Curry, and like two firsts or something. Um, so then he's in Philly and it's like, okay, this is this is the spot you wanted to be in, 
right? It's a pretty decent spot. You're obviously, you know, you're not really contenders because it's Embiid and Harden, but you're like pretenders, right? Like you can pretend that you're contenders and some people will believe it, but not really. But anyway, it's a good team. Um, you get to have a lot of touches, right? You still get to score your 20 plus. You're getting leading the league in assists. Um, you have a great player to pass to in Embiid. Um, you're with Daryl Morey again, who you, have a good, who you had a good relationship with, at least in the past. Um, and then suddenly he just says, you know what, fuck, I don't want to be here anymore either. Uh, couldn't tell you why, no clue what happened there, but he doesn't want to be there, and now it's like, okay, this is one that I can't really defend, it's pretty, it's pretty ugly, you know, and then he's not playing, and all this stuff, and I was on the Clippers, and if you, the Clippers really think that James Harden is just going to be a Clipper the rest of his career, it's going to go smoothly, all that stuff, even if you don't win a championship, right, because there's so much that has to go right for that, but even if it's just the, just the Harden parts, if just the Harden parts you think they're going to go smoothly, you're wrong, right, the best case scenario, the best case scenario is, the team is good, they're relatively healthy, Harden, you know, is doing the good Harden stuff on ball, or on the court, he doesn't request any trades, they flame out in the playoffs, right, because they, they will, they're not going to win the title, again, the best like, realistic case scenario, I'm saying, let's say they make the conference finals, right, maybe they, they luck into the right bracket, they don't face Denver, you know, the rest of the West is kind of iffy, you make the conference finals, you lose to Denver, right, that's a pretty good season for the Clippers, I'm sure they'd be happy with that, um, at least relatively, right, you always wanted to win the championship, but, you know, I can't, I can't say that, can't imagine they would complain about making the conference finals. Like, you're the fucking Clippers. Um, the Lakers made the conference finals last year. And to me, that was awesome. I was like, yes, thank God. Um, so, I think they'd be happy with that. And then Harden, like, leaves, right? Because like, are you going to sign him to a max? You know, maybe you can get him for under the max. Maybe it's like, oh, no one wants to give him anything. Maybe you get him for, like, three for 60. I don't know. Like, this is, like, really what seems like the best case scenario. And then, during that contract, he requests a trade at some point. Because that's inevitable. Um, there's, there's no chance that Harden is a Clipper by 2025. It's not happening. It's just not happening. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen with his career. But that's, that's a whole different story. Let's just think about it. this season on the court. How does this work, right? So they said they're going to start Westbrook, Harden, George, Kawhi, and Zubats. Um, there's talent on that roster, right? And you have man off the bench, Norman Powell off the bench. That's your backup backcourt. Um, I guess you're going to run three guards, right? Probably with, uh, what's his name? Bones Highland, who's been tra trash. He's a horrible player. So you have those three off your bench as the guards, right? Like point guard, shooting guard, small forward, I guess. And then backup power forward is P.J. Tucker, who looks very washed. And then Plumlee, who I guess is fine as a backup center. So that's like an all right 10-man. I can't, I can't say that I hate the 10-man. I don't, I don't love the way it's spread out, though. I think it would have been better if you, you start Terrence Mann instead of Russ. And then it looks a little bit better. But then you still have three guards in the backcourt. Like, you still have to, you have to make some sort of trade. Um, I would get rid of Russ completely. I would have I just not brought him back at all. He's terrible. Um, the Clippers have lost two games, and both of them were because of Russ, honestly. Um, yeah, they could have overcome Russ and won those games. It's not just like, oh, you know, Russ was, like, the entire reason they lost. But, you know, when you have Westbrook, it reduces your margin for error. So you have to play close to perfect, um, to win games. And they, you know, they're not a perfect basketball team. It's not going to happen. So when Russ has these bad games, you're screwed. And now you were thinking... The Lakers game, he had like 24 points and like 11 rebounds and 8 assists or whatever, something like that. He also had 5 fouls and 6 turnovers. He was a minus 8. He had 3 of his turnovers in the 4th quarter. Like, if you and he had got back cut over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. That's another problem with Westbrook that people don't really see. Is because on-ball defense, he's okay. He doesn't really get cooked on-ball that much. But off-ball, it's just awful. It's just awful. Um, and every Westbrook miss is a fast break because the way he misses layups so badly or the three-pointers that ricochet off the backboard super hard. Although he made three threes, I think. Crazy game. Um, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But his, his negative impact is very felt. 
Uh, I watched this guy on my team for a year and a half. It's horrible. It's a horrible experience. I wouldn't wish it on anyone except for the Celtics. Fuck them. And the Clippers. It's really funny, actually. Um, I laughed when they signed him, and I'm still laughing every time they play. Uh, they play tonight. James Harden's making his debut tonight against the Knicks. Um, so that'll be fun. Uh, can't wait to watch that game. Actually, I don't even know if I'll be able to. Whatever. Uh, hopefully. Um, but yeah, so Harden on the court. Um, I liked, I've always wanted the idea. I like the idea of the Clippers having a playmaker. That was a problem I had with them years ago. Didn't have a playmaker. They added Rondo. I was like, Rondo's just not good enough, like overall. Um, and actually, he played pretty well for them. It, was, it didn't work out poorly like I thought. But they had injuries and other issues. Um, and so Rondo ended up leaving. Or he got traded, whatever. Um, but now they have Harden. Uh, but you have Westbrook. Like, again, I would just get rid of Westbrook. You have Harden as your primary playmaker um, with Kawhi and Paul George. I think that, like, trio actually works fine. Um, I just don't love the rest of the roster that much. It's okay. I don't love the fit with Westbrook. I don't love all four of them together in the starting lineup. Like, it's not even just, oh, there's only one ball thing, right? Because that's silly. Um, that's never been an issue. Find me one team where it was like, oh my god, we have too much talent, there's not enough ball to go around, that's never happened, that's literally never happened in the history of the NBA, now what does happen, is that players get upset they don't get the ball enough, you know, on the court it works fine, but there are players who are like pretty selfish, and egotistical, and they have to have the ball, and the Clippers have two of them, right, Westbrook and James Harden are not going to be happy now getting the ball, they're just not, Harden requests trades whenever he doesn't get the ball, and Russell Westbrook pouts on the bench, and he complains to the media, like, it's just toxic. You don't want to have those guys on your roster at all. At least Harden is, like, good on the court. But um, I think ultimately, right, they're going to start with this lineup. I think they're going to realize it's not working. When Man gets healthy again, I think Westbrook's going to go to the bench, and they're going to start Man. It only makes sense. Uh, and then that lineup's probably going to work pretty well. Um, because I think, you know, Zubas is solid as a center. Kawhi and Paul George, right, they can exert more energy on the defensive end because Harden can, you know, handle the ball more. Uh, whenever there's injuries to anybody, Harden, you know, he can help carry you to more wins. So I think this actually does help the Clippers. Um, I think they traded a lot for someone who had no trade value and is an upcoming free agent. He was also a very toxic player, but he is still James Harden. I ranked him 29. It was probably a little below, too, to be honest. Uh, like last year, in a vacuum, he was probably a top 20 player uh, overall, especially in the regular season. Uh, in the playoffs, he had his moments, but he was, eh, you know, and that's Harden. Uh, again, in the playoffs, this shit is not going to work. You have this Westbrook-Harden backcourt. It's just it's bound to end in disaster. But I think in the regular season, they'll be pretty good. Uh, I think the Clippers have a pretty good chance to be, you know, assuming relative health, which, again, you never want to assume that, but I'm doing it anyway. Assuming relative health to the, those three guys, you know, they don't all miss time at the same time, stuff like that. They should win 50-plus games, or at least close to 50 games, because um, there's just too much talent not to. There's too much talent for them not to. I think... Harden, the playmaker, is going to help get Kawhi and Paul George good looks. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't hate the trade that much, I, I even though I don't think it's going to work out because I just think, you know, the Clippers are kind of cursed. They have a lot of injury issues. There's going to be chemistry issues. So, I don't know. I guess I have mixed feelings about it. I like it and I don't. You're the Clippers and you have, like, what else can you possibly do? Because you weren't winning a title before anyway. Um, at least now you're at an at point where you can make a deadline deal and maybe turn what you have now into a contender. Because I don't think they're that far off if they're healthy, right? You do have Kawhi and Paul George. That's, you know, good enough to win a championship possibly. Uh, I don't think they're better than the Nuggets. But you can't just be like, man, as long as we're not better than the Nuggets, what's the point? Because they could, I mean, Jamal Murray just hurt his hamstring. Who knows how long he'll be out. Hamstrings, you know, they linger. So if you're in the mix, right? I think it's always important to try to be in the mix where you're a trade away or an injury away. You know, that's a position you want to be in. Right? Teams win titles that way. The Warriors won a title that way two years ago. Um, the Raptors... The Raptors won a title that way in 2019. Yeah, I was like, did they? Yeah. 
Um, you know, so that shit, that shit happens all the time. Um, who else won a title that way? The Mavs in 2011. Like, these teams that, you know, probably weren't going to win the title. You go into the season or even into the playoffs thinking they're going to win the title. But you're in the mix and, you know, your luck breaks right and you win the title. It happens. So... I think the Clippers are in that spot. It's a pretty, it's a pretty good spot to be in. You're right. You obviously want to be like the favorite kind of team, but you know, easier said than done, right? So um, I don't hate it. Again, you did have to do something. I think uh, I just I didn't really love like what they gave up for him. I, I think you could have gotten him for less just because like he's an expiring James Harden on the Phillies with no leverage. The Phillies, the 76ers, uh, baseball on my mind. Um, yeah. So, interesting trade. If I had to grade it for the Clippers, uh, I'll give them, like, a, a B-, minus, I guess. Because, again, you are still getting James Harden. So, we'll see how he looks tonight. Uh, that's going to be kind of exciting. Uh, from the Sixers side of it, uh, you got a couple picks for him. Uh, that'll help you get another player next to Embiid, I guess, assuming Embiid doesn't make a trade request. That's an incomplete, honestly, because it's what are you going to get with these assets. Uh, I think it's fine. Honestly, you didn't really have a lot of leverage, and you got some decent picks for him. And you got a bunch of forwards. Uh, I think the Clippers are really missing some forwards. Because uh, PJ Tucker really isn't it, and you're paying like Terrence Mann small forward. He's really small. He's really small. He's like six foot four. So, um, solid like a, a B minus probably for Philly too, maybe a B. Um, let's move on. I want to talk about Victor Wembanyama. Um, he has been fucking epic so far. Like I didn't expect him to be as good as he is right now. So let's talk about Victor Wembanyama, the prob- probable rookie of the year through what six games. So Victor Wembanyama against the Phoenix Suns in his second game against the Suns, his fifth game ever. Had uh, one of the best rookie games you'll ever see. Um, possibly the best game by a rookie since Brandon Jennings' 55-point game. Considering the circumstances, considering how early in his career it was, considering the clutch time points. Um, he scored like 10 or 12 points in clutch in like the last like few minutes. The Spurs were up like a billion on the Suns. They were up like 20. And uh, the Suns came all the way back. Booker was popping off. He almost had a triple-double with like 30 points. Durant was playing well, and then Wembenyama comes back in at the end of the fourth quarter and scores like 10 straight points, finishes with 38 points, 10 rebounds, 2 blocks, uh, his second career double-double, uh, and his first, obviously his first 30-point game. He had 20 at half. Um, through six games, it's still his only game with more than 21, and it's 38. Uh, he was spectacular, just an incredible performance, made three threes, five or six from the line, 15 for 26 overall. Love to see him getting the rock, shooting it. Uh, the Spurs re- learned in this game that if you just throw the ball up near the rim in general, Wembenyama will grab it. Nobody has the reach he has. Um, but in the past, I would always say how Anthony Davis had the greatest like lob catch radius uh, we've seen on film, right? Because again, Wilt probably had it, but post Wilt, right? It was probably Anthony Davis. He caught everything. He could dunk from you know anywhere. He can catch a, realistically catch an alley oop. He would dunk it. Um, and now Wembenyama is that guy. Like Wembenyama has the greatest catch radius. Like aerial catch radius in NBA history, probably. I mean, he's like seven foot five or four. I don't know. No one knows, knows for sure. I keep seeing different reports. Um, I think officially he's seven foot four. Yeah, but uh, with like an eight foot wingspan, just ridiculous reach. Uh, ridiculous. His standing dunks look weird. Like his driving dunks, like he dunks from so far away. Um, it's very freaky. Um, and yeah, so they, the Spurs learned that. So they just toss it up there. One B grabs it, you know, makes a hook shot or dunks it or something easy like that. And he can shoot. He did this move. I think it was on Drew Eubanks where he had the ball on like the right wing and he like jab stepped, did a spin and did a pull up three. And Drew Eubanks looks like a six, seven small forward guarding him. Like even though he's like a six foot 11 center, it's just ridiculous. Um, The things he can do is wild. 
Um, so overall, throughout his first six games, he's averaging 20 points, eight rebounds, almost three blocks on 49, 31, 74 splits, uh, which is honestly like way better than I expected. I told you all that I thought, you know, again, it's only six games, so it, it could, you know, go up and down. We'll see. But I thought he would average around like between 16 to 18 points, um, probably low 40s field goal percentage, um, maybe like two blocks and like seven or eight rebounds. So again, it's not, it's not that far off, right? But it's still been better than I expected, especially that game. And he just looks better, right? I know the shot isn't always falling, but defensively, he's just everywhere. He's everywhere. Like, it's so hard to score. It's hard to get shots off because he just blocks everything in his radius. Um, he's only averaging, quote-unquote, only 2.7 blocks per game, which is like third in the league. But he deters so many shots, right? He's If he's at the rim, you just can't. You can't go up for a layup. You can't because you're like, how am I getting over the guy who, if he reaches his hand up and jumps, right, it's like 12 feet in the air. So I think it's ridiculous. The Spurs are going to be fucking insane when his teammates get better, when he gets better, right? Because this is as bad as he'll be for the next, you know, 10, 15 years until he you know, becomes washed at some point in his 30s or whatever. So... That's generally how it is, right? Your rookie year tends to be your worst year until, like, towards the end of your career. Um, and so if this is as bad as Wemby's going to be, like, Jesus fucking Christ. I, I don't know what you do about that. Um, they're running this point so hand right now, the Spurs, which is just not working at all. Uh, when they have Trey Jones in there, the team looks much better. Sohan is just not a point guard. He doesn't space the floor. He can't really defend guards. He doesn't really have, like, passing vision like that. He's fun, but he's really more of a power forward. But they don't really have a lot of ball handling on the team in general. So they have Trey Jones off the bench so that somebody on the bench can dribble the basketball. Um, again, it's an interesting team, right, with Chetty Osman, Doug McDermott. Um, they they might be better than I thought. Again, Wemby's better than I thought. His impact is definitely there. And I said under on the 29 and a half. Um, I still believe that. Again, I don't think Wemby's going to play like 80 games, right? Every game he doesn't play is probably going to be an L. Devin Vassell's already injured. Uh, he's also better than I thought. Um, he's shown a lot, like his scoring prowess is crazy. Uh, maybe I slept on him a little bit. Um, but if you look at the Spurs right now, they're three and three, which doesn't really say much. Last year, I think they started like eight and eight or something. They were, they were like pretty good to start last year and then they tanked, they tanked real quick. So, uh, we'll see, but I, I do still think that under is probably going to hit, um, their overall net rating and defense and offensive ratings are really bad. When Wemby's on the court, their defense is really good, but when he's off, it's like horrifically bad. So overall, it's still really bad. Um, I'm seeing people saying, oh, they should, you know, he should be in contention for Depoy. And then like, no. Um, personally, I don't think if you if you're not leading a top 10 defense, you shouldn't be Depoy. Um, because yeah, maybe the impact is there. Again, his impact is, is crazy, but it's not crazy enough to overcome them and keep them in a top 10 defense. Right? They're 26th in defense, like, or 27th. So he just he doesn't play enough to where his defensive impact um, affects the whole team like that. I'm trying to check the Spurs, uh, how good they were last year to start. Because they started off pretty good, right? They were 5-2, and two, um, and then they lost five in a row, and that was kind of the end of it. Um, yeah, after, after starting 5-2, and two, they ended up being 6-18, uh, and 18, which is unbelievable. So we'll see. I know they're not tanking this year, like to the same extent at least. They're just a regular bad team. I don't think they're going to... You know, maybe at the end of the year. Last year, they were, like, blatantly tanking. But, yeah, Wemby's incredible. Um, is he a top 20 player already, like I saw some people saying? No, I definitely wouldn't say that. Um, I wouldn't say a guy averaging 28-3 and three with elite defense in the top 20. Although, I ranked him, what, 62? Because I didn't know where to rank him. I was like, I don't know how good he's going to be. It's hard to rank rookies. Um, he's honestly higher than that. He's definitely higher than that. Like, if we're talking just this season alone, like, how where where would I think he... Like, how many players would I take over him? Like, not many, 
right? Is he the 30th best player right now? That's probably a little too high too, but like he might be top 40 right now. Um, but it's early. It's six games. Um, he could average 10 points per game in five fouls the next 10 games. Who knows? Again, he's a rookie. He's going to have ups and downs. So I don't want to overreact, but man, he looks generational for sure. So it's really a shame the Spurs got him. <laughs> I really wanted him to go to the East. Like the Spurs keep getting lucky with these number one picks, man. Every time the Hornets get the second overall pick, their first overall pick is awesome, man. In 1992, they had the second overall pick. First was Shaquille O'Neal. They got Alonzo Mourning, though. That's pretty good. And then in 04, they had the second overall pick. They got Emeka Okafor, who's like, eh. But the Orlando Magic, again, beat them to it. And they got Dwight Howard. Um, and in 2012, they had a second overall pick after winning just nine games. They went like 9-73. and 73. Oh, no, it was the 2011-12. They went, uh, I think, 7-59. and 59. That's what it was. Jesus Christ. After winning seven games, right, they get Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, who was ass, instead of Anthony Davis. Um, and in this year, right, they get uh, Brandon Miller instead of Victor Wambanyama. And Miller's actually looked pretty good. He had a rough game yesterday against Dallas, but he's looked pretty good. Um, he'll probably be fine. But again, is he going to be Wemby? No. So that's a shame for them. Um, so yeah, Wambanyama, good stuff. Uh, I want to talk about the NBA Cup. Uh, I'm calling it. I'm not calling it the fucking in-season tournament. It's too long. It's it's corny. I'm calling it the NBA Cup. That's what it should be called. That's That's what I'm calling it from this moment on. So the NBA Cup started last week. Um, we had a few games. Let's see, NBA in-season tournament. Let's see who played. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, so we had... So first we had Cavs Pacers, and that court was fucking horrendous. Uh, I love the idea of the different colored courts to make it stand out. I just don't love the execution of it. Uh, maybe they can tweak it next year. I saw some designs on Twitter that were a little bit better. Um, some of the courts were okay, some of them were not. Like I like the Bulls one, the Bucks one, um, the Nuggets one. The Pacers was, just, it was too bright. It was too bright. I don't know if you guys have seen Seinfeld. I saw this meme go around. So this is an episode of Seinfeld where like a chicken shack opens up across the street from them and the light for their sign is super bright. So whenever you open Kramer's room, like the door to his apartment, it would just be bright red. It was super bright. And Jerry would ask him, he'd go to Kramer and he'd be like, Kramer, what is that? And Kramer would tell him that it's a chicken shack. But so the, the joke here was in the meme is it was blue, right? They made it all blue. And Jerry's like, what's going on in there, Kramer? And Kramer's like, oh, Jerry, it's the in-season tournament. It was really funny. But the court was way too bright. Um, so first game, um, Pacers win, uh, a nail-biter. Uh, they were blown out the Cavs in the first half. Miles Turner was popping off. And the Cavaliers really came back in the second half. Donovan Mitchell had the in-season turn or the NBA Cup scoring record for about like a half an hour uh, <laughs> with his 38 points. He was great. Uh, disappointing loss for the Cavs. Um, who finally had their big four back together for the first time all year. You'd think they would have won. They didn't. Uh, it is what it is. So the Pacers take the slight lead there. Uh, you can look at the standings too, right? I think if you look at NBA.com, you can see the tournament standings. Uh, it's based on like wins and point differential. Yeah, here it is. So right now, if you go based on group, so that, that was group A. That was the only matchup for group A. So the Pacers have a plus five differential and they're 1-0, so they're in the lead. Obviously, not all the teams have played yet. We won't get another game for the NBA Cup till Friday because there's no games tomorrow. But so they have a slight lead now. Um, good for the good for the Pacers. Uh, that's a pretty easy group, honestly. Again, all the East groups seem pretty easy, so every win is going to be huge. Um, the next game was the Knicks Bucks. That was a great game. Uh, I think the Knicks got a little hose at the end with some of these fouls that Dame got. Jalen Brunson was awesome. Julius Randle has been terrible all year. Um, I don't know what it is with even-numbered year Julius Randle, but for some reason, he just sucks even-numbered years. Every other year, he's good. Uh, I can't explain it. He can't explain it. 
But Jalen Brunson's awesome. Um, I think the Knicks really should try to finally trade Julius Randle this, this, this season. Like, it's just enough is enough. Like, your ceiling is so limited with him on your roster. Like, even though he can be good, it just, it's just not working. The Knicks are 2-5. and five. They've had a pretty tough schedule to start, too. And they're just shooting like good dog shit. Like, only Quickly and Brunson are really playing well. Grimes was okay, but it's tough. Like, Brunson had 45 points. So that's what I was talking about with the, the scoring record. 45 points. He was epic. Um, on the Bucks side, Lillard had a bunch of free throws, but honestly, no one really stood out except for Lopez on defense. They finally put him in drop again. Uh, the Bucks defense was ass. It was so ass uh, the first four games, and then they finally played Brook Lopez in drop um, instead of you know putting him up at the level of the screen when he can't fucking move. And he had immediately had eight blocks. He had I think two blocks in the first four games, and he had eight in his fifth game um, to put the Bucks at or four and two to four and two. Did they play six games? I don't remember what. They probably played after this. I don't remember. Um, let me look at the Bucks schedule. It's hard to keep track of all the games. Uh, what was their last win? Was it the Knicks game? Was that their sixth game? It was. Okay, my bad. It was their sixth game, I guess. Um, I thought they played five. But anyway, he, he was averaging like half a block per game, and now he's up to two blocks per game off that one, one win. Um, and of course, this was a game Malik Beasley had zero points. Malik Beasley was popping off for them in the losses. Uh, classic Malik Beasley. Giannis has not looked like himself either. I don't know if he's hurt. Um, he's not really finishing at the rim that well. He made three threes against the Knicks, but again, he's not a shooter. Uh, Middleton also isn't looking like himself, but that's not really a surprise. So I got a lot of questions about the Bucks. Uh, a lot of questions. They really needed Jay Crowder and Marjan Bochamp to make a bunch of threes to win that game against the Knicks, who only had one productive player in the game. So that's that's pretty concerning. They play the Nets tonight, uh, who will be missing Nick Claxton. So uh, they should be able to get that win, but the Nets are pretty competitive too. So anyway, the Knicks uh, take a slight L there in the group standings uh, in Group B because now they're third uh, out of the four teams that have played. The Hornets haven't played their game yet, um, but it's still up for grabs, right? Again, you never really know. Uh, then there was also the Heat Wizards. That was not really a game. The Wizards are bad. They're now they have no chance to win this. Uh, it was a blowout, especially in the third quarter. The Wizards have been really bad in third quarters this year for some reason. Like, it was like a six-point game at half, and then the Heat blew them out. The Wizards came back in garbage time because their garbage time unit tries really hard. Um, Denny's been good, uh, which is good for me. I love Denny. Uh, Bilal Koulibaly uh, showing some defensive promise. Uh, still super raw offensively. But yeah, it's the Wizards. There's not really much to say there. Jordan Poole's been struggling too, but I'm sure he'll get it together. Warriors Thunder... Questionable call at the end of the game. Steph Curry makes a crazy layup to win the game. And Draymond Green probably touches it. It was probably offensive interference. Now, it was going in anyway, so I don't really mind them, you know, just letting it go. But the reality was that was offensive interference, and it should have gone to overtime. But whatever, it happens. Um, he did make the shot. Like, he really did make it. It wasn't like it was not going to go in, and Draymond pushes it in. So I don't hate it. And the Thunder were missing SGA. Still almost won. Chet is legit. Uh, Chet would be an easy rookie of the year in most years, but he's playing in the Wemby year, so he got fucked. He got absolutely fucked. Like, even Paolo, who, as good as he was last year, like, Chet could have beaten him. Like, Chet right now might be better than Paolo, even though Paolo just had a couple of good games in a row now. He's he's picking up speed. I believe in Paolo. I also believe in Chet. Um, really makes a Jabari Smith pick just brutal, um, because I was I believe in him going into the year, and he's been struggling. Um, OKC is interesting. They're three and four. Ah, I like a lot of the talent on the team. I don't love how it fits together. I don't love the injuries that they've been having with, you know, SGA, you know, missing every other game. So that's tough. But anyway, great win for the Warriors. You know, puts them at the top of their group. What are they, West Group C? Uh, yeah, that's the only game that's been played for there so far. It's a little too early to judge the tournament. 
But I think it's fun. I, I love the idea of it, but it's too early to determine who's going to win just based off these first games. And that's Bulls Nailbiter. Um, I actually didn't get to watch this one. I don't know what happened here. Um, but yeah, I was supposed to re I was supposed to watch that. I was supposed to watch that back uh, over the weekend, and I totally forgot. So I have nothing to say here. Um, my bad, guys. My bad. Um, good one for the Nets, I guess. Uh, Grizzlies Blazers, that was hilarious. Uh, the Grizzlies went to 0-6, and, and then he beat Portland yesterday, though. So they're now 1-6. But, oh, man, that was that was glorious. I, I couldn't believe that they lost to Portland. They almost lost to them back-to-back -back times. But Portland had a miserable fourth quarter yesterday. Uh, the Grizzlies are in trouble. Uh, I want to take a minute to talk about the Grizzlies. They are in big, big trouble. Um, their schedule coming up is very hard. Very hard. Um... And John Morant isn't coming until they play the Pacers, I think, on December 21st. Or maybe it's like the game after that, uh, on December 23rd, against the Hawks. It's one of those games. So here's their schedule between now and then that Hawks game, when Josh's supposed to come back. I think it's the Hawks game. They play Miami at home uh, on Wednesday. Then it's Utah at home. Clippers on the road. Lakers on the road. Spurs on the road. Celtics at home. Rockets on the road. Suns at home. Wolves at home. Jazz at home. Mavs on the road. Suns on the road. Mavs at home, Rockets on the road, Rockets at home, Thunder on the road, Pelicans at home, on the road, and Pacers at home. If you look at these games, I know that was like pretty fast, but if you look at these games, let's be the most optimistic possible, right? Let's assume that somehow they win, I don't know, 40% of these games, right? How many games is this? They've played seven. They have 18 games left. Let's say they win eight of these, right? Or I guess that'd be seven of them. Let's give them eight. Let's give them eight wins. They'll be nine and 16 when John Morant comes back, right? If they're 9-16 and 16 when John Morant comes back, to get to 500, they'd have to go 32 and, what, 25? Yeah, 32 and 25, which is not, like, a law over 500, but that's, just to get to 500, they have to be seven games over. That's, that's tough. That's like what the Lakers did last year, right? They started 10 and 15 through 25, uh, 2 and 10. It's tough, and that's being pretty generous. I don't think they're going to win 40% of these. If they win a third of these... Right, a third of these eighteen games, and they they win six games, they'll be seven and eighteen. Like that, that's probably over. I think if you don't win at least eight of these games before Josh comes back, you're cooked. Because Josh's not even going to play all fifty-seven games, right? It's not like Josh's going to come back and they're going to have perfect health. Jaron's going to play every game. Marcus is going to play every game. Like they're, no, they're not going to have that. They still have no centers, right? They've got Bismack. He was great yesterday, but that's tough, man. I think the Grizzlies are fucked. I think they're absolutely fucked. Um, I didn't, I thought they were going to be like 500 without draw. This is bad, man. This is bad. Like they needed like excellent performances from Jaron Bain to beat Portland. Like in Portland is a bad team. They're three and four, but like they're, they're not good. Like we know they're not good. Um, especially with Simons out. That's very, very tough. Um, back to the in-season tournament. Uh, then there was Mavericks Nuggets and the Nuggets just, you know, blew them out. They won by 11, but like it wasn't that close. Um, you never really felt like the Mavericks were in the game. Uh, the Nuggets are a buzzsaw. Uh, I don't know who's gonna beat them. Um, I had it like a tier of top, like a top five team tier, and so far it's really like the Nuggets are in tier one, right? And it's like the Celtics are in tier two, and then all the and then the Bucks, Suns, and Lakers have a bunch of question marks. That's what it feels like to me right now. Um, when I had them all on one tier, um, I had them probably ordered in a, that tier, but still, uh, it hasn't looked that way so far. Um, I want to talk about also about the Laker Clipper game that happened last week. Uh, the Lakers have been very up and down this year. Um, you really don't know what you're going to get from them night to night. They've been very injured. Um, Anthony Davis has been awesome. Uh, Reeves is coming on as of late. D'Lo has been mostly good. He was really bad against the Magic. Uh, and LeBron, you know, he's doing his thing. 
uh, not really trying most of the game and then turning it on in the fourth quarter. But that game specifically, that game specifically uh, was a great game for the Lakers, right? They had a horrible start, as usual. They've played six games, and five of them, they've been, they've been down double digits in the first quarter, uh, which is ass. That, that does not scream contender to me. Uh, and the Clippers was, you know, the same thing. They were down 19. I think it was like 37 to 18. Um, and then they make a little run at the end of the quarter to be down 13. Second quarter, they play it even. LeBron has 15 points. Uh, and then the third quarter happens, and D'Lo and AD just get mad buckets. Um, AD is taking advantage of Zubots. He's getting putbacks. He's making jumpers, getting to the free throw line. D'Lo is getting a bunch of back cuts on Westbrook, making some jumpers. Uh, Kawhi was amazing. In the first quarter, he had like 18 of his 30, I forgot how many points he had in the end, 32 or something. He had 18 points in the first quarter. He was insane. Um, and then Paul George was really great in the fourth quarter. He made a bunch of ridiculous threes, um, had an and one on AD. It was a crazy game. If you haven't seen it, I would go and watch the, the NBA highlights video on YouTube. They do like the full game highlights, which is, you know, like a condensed way to watch games. Uh, that's what I do for the games that I miss because it's a, it's literally impossible to watch every game. It's just not possible. People who pretend they watch every game, like it has to be their full-time job, right? Where you watch two or three games live every night and then the rest of them you rewatch like the next day. Like it's because it, it's really impossible. Um, so anyone who pretends that they really do that without, you know, rewatching them later, like you're lying. You're just lying. You can't have four screens and pay attention to them all at once. It's just not possible. I have a full-time job that's not this, right? I don't get any money for this. So I can't watch every game. Um, I also work nights. It's fucking, you know, it's basically, it's really, really hard for me to watch games. So I have to rely a lot on those full game highlights. It's very tough. I can watch a couple games sometimes, but it's tough. So, um, yeah, that game, that was an epic game. Went to overtime. Um, Christian Wood uh, put back, I guess, to seal the win. The Lakers, really what you learn from that game is the Clippers, A, have a Westbrook problem, which they always already did. Um, that there wasn't really much else to take away from that. And then the Lakers, right, need to play bigger because they don't rebound. They just don't rebound, especially with these small lineups. Like, none of their forwards rebound. Um, like, LeBron isn't really rebounding that well. I think he's averaging nine rebounds a game, but it doesn't feel that way. He's not, like, boxing out and stuff. Torian Prince doesn't rebound at all. Um, Vanderbilt's hurt. Rui rebounds, but inconsistently, and he's been out for a while, too. Um, and the guards don't rebound at all. Like, D'Lo and Austin, they're not athletic. They don't box out. They don't do any of that stuff. So... Um, yeah, the Lakers have a rebounding problem for sure. Because you play AD at center, he contests the shot, they give up an offensive rebound, and it happens all the time. All the time. So their defense is a real concern. That happening against the Magic to an, an insane degree. Like, I don't think they're going to have another game that bad where the other team has, like, 50 second-chance points. Um, it was just horrendous. But, yeah, whew, tough stuff. But, yeah, good win over the Clippers. They broke, like, it was like a three-year run of the Clippers beating the Lakers 11 times in a row. So that was that was an impressive win. And then they followed it up with a huge dud against the Magic. And the Clippers have yet to play since then. They're playing tonight uh, against the Knicks with James Harden in town. So that'll be fun. I want to just talk about that for a little bit. And then I want to talk about three uh, three more teams. The Celtics, the Bucks, and the Nuggets. Um, I know I touched on the Nuggets. And I think they're by far the best team in the league. And if they're healthy, I honestly don't think anyone's stopping them in the playoffs. They went, what, 16-4 and four in the playoffs. And they're giving me major 2021 Laker vibes. Where the Lakers, you know, in 2020, they dominated the season. Uh, they were they had the second best record through most of the year. And then the bubble seeding games, they tanked them and the Raptors passed them. But they were right there with the Bucks most of the year. And in come playoffs, they went 16-5. and five. They just dominated. They never faced elimination. And they won the title. And then the next year, right, they improved the roster. And they start 21-6. and six, And then they get hella injured. And 
They barely make the playoffs, and they get injured again, and then they lose to the Suns after being up 2-1. Um, I don't think that's going to happen to the Nuggets. But what I'm saying is the Nuggets, right, they were really good all last year. They were the one seed. And then come, and then at the end of the season, they looked bad because they had the one seed locked up. People were like, oh, are they serious? And then they, you know, cruised through the playoffs. And now this year, right, even though it appeared on paper they looked like they got worse, they feel better somehow. Michael Porter Jr.'s defense seems better. Um, Aaron Gordon looks better. Jokic is as good as ever. Jamal Murray actually hasn't been playing that well, and they're still 6-1. and one. Uh, Peyton Watson on defense is awesome. Reggie Jackson looks like back from the dead. Zeke Naji looks like a real player. So all those things are wild to me. But anyway, so the Nuggets look great. Uh, and it, it gives me shades of that, right? Because generally, right, you win the title, you keep most of the same team or improve it, and you should look good again. Um, like the Bucks won in 2021. They started out 2022. Honestly, not amazing. They were not great that whole year. I think missing Brooke Lopez really hurt them. Uh, let's look at the Milwaukee Bucks. The Raptors obviously lost to Kawhi and Danny Green, so they weren't going to be the same team, but they were still great. Like the Bucks they ended up with 51 wins, but I don't know. I wasn't super impressed with them throughout that year. Uh, the Warriors obviously started off like shit last year. Um, they were not they were not a great team last year. Uh, but the Nuggets, right, they look great. Um, and I'm sure they'll cruise to another title. Um, I don't know if anyone's going to stop them. Honestly, if they're not injured, I don't really see how anyone's going to beat them. Which brings me to the Celtics, um, who have looked like... They've ar- arguably looked like the best team so far. But they've played a bunch of bum squads, to be real. Uh, their first test is really today against the Wolves. You know, if they if they look good here, especially because Chris Stapps is questionable, Derek White is out. If they, like, beat the Branks off the Wolves in Minnesota, like, I'll be impressed. Uh, that win over the Knicks was a good win. And the Heat, I'm not going to disrespect those wins. Those are good wins. But then they beat the Wizards, right? I don't care. They beat the, the Pacers without Halliburton by 50. Great. I don't really care. And then they beat the Nets without Nick Claxton or Ben Simmons. Fine. Whatever. Um... Again, the Celtics are just kind of a team that has to show me, right? Because they've been they've been good and like a contender for like five years. And ever since they got Kyrie, really. Um, and no matter what's happened with the roster, they've always been contending. Um, they've made it out of the first round uh, all but one of those years. They made it to the conference finals all but two of those years. Uh, and they made the finals once. But never in any of the seasons have I felt, oh, this is the best team in basketball. Um, I don't feel that way now. We'll see, right? That can change. Tatum's been awesome. He's looked the best he's ever looked so far. But again, it's five games. So yeah, they have to show me, man. Because like I do like the roster. Their starting five is great. Um, Al Horford as a backup center is fine. Like It's pretty good, actually. I'll say it's pretty good. Um, the rest of their bench is a big question mark to me. Um, doesn't really, Again, it doesn't really matter. Like with the Nuggets, like I'm not a huge like, oh, the bench. You know, you just, you just need to survive those minutes, really. Um, I don't love Jalen Brown as a number two. I don't love Tatum as a number one. But again, they could win the title, right? It scares me, but it could. So how real are they? TBD. Um, I, they'll probably, if I had to make a prediction right now, where do the Celtics go? I'd say they lose in the finals to the Nuggets just because I think the East is so ass and the Bucks seem to have a lot of questions and they just look way worse than I expected. So that's what I'd predict right now. Um, but, you know, they, they could. They could be real. I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't I don't really believe in this team. They, don't just, they just don't inspire belief. Like... There's certain players when they're on your team, it's like, oh, like I definitely think like this team scares me. Like when the best player is Tatum and Brown, like it doesn't it doesn't scare me. And then like the other guys, right? Derek White is really good, but Holiday and Porzingis they're very inconsistent as well. Like their four best players, right? If Derek White's the fifth best player, which he is, their four best players, they're all very inconsistent. Uh, Tatum is the least inconsistent of them, but even he has his ups and downs for a superstar. So I don't know. It's just hard for me to really put my faith in this team. Um, and then the Bucks, I said a bit before, uh, if Brooke Lopez is going to be in drop, their defense will probably be fine. 
uh, even with Dame and uh, Beasley being horrible defenders and Middleton also not being a great defender anymore, honestly. But I am concerned a little bit. Uh, they play the Nets tonight. We'll see how they defend that. That's a five-out team, really, mostly, especially without Claxton. Um, so we'll see how they defend that. Brook Lopez is going to be having to defend a lot of shooters. Um, so we'll see how that works. Because, right, if you can just stretch the floor against the Bucks, like, I feel like you can score on them. Because they don't have they don't have good perimeter defenders everywhere before. Like, before they had good defenders everywhere. So it's like, ah, stretching them out doesn't really work that well if you can't ever get to the rim. But now you can easily get to the rim. Generally, Lopez is going to be there or Giannis. But if you can stretch them out, then they won't be there. Um, I think that's going to be a problem for them. Uh, and Damon Giannis both look like shit. Um, especially Giannis. Like, if you look at his numbers this year compared to his past years, uh, they're all, like, not career lows because he started off his career really slowly. But they're lows since he became like an all-nba player i think his first all-nba team was in 2017 uh his first or maybe it was 2018 um 2018 was his first like great season 2017 was when he won most improved that was like his first all-star season so since 2018 right from 2018 to 2023 he's at reference loads i'll let you guys know but it's probably it's something around 10 and 6 with like a steal and a block on like great efficiency something like that um but it's not telling me and this year, he's averaging 24 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, less than a steal, 1 block, 4 turnovers, 3 fouls. Um, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. His advanced stats are all lows since then, right? His PR, lowest since 2016. His true shooting percentage, lowest since 2018. His winishers per 48, lowest since his rookie year. Um, his box plus minus, lowest since his rookie year. Um, like, all that stuff has been really bad. He's been really bad. Um, like even the numbers are misleading. Like he had 22 points against the Knicks, and nine of them were threes. You can't bank on that. Um, he's just been look. He's just looked bad. Um, I, there's no other way for me to say it. Uh, Dame has also looked bad. Uh, he's relying a lot on free throws, as is Giannis. So um, they have to get to get get that you know back together, right? Back to what what we're used to seeing. They also haven't run a lot of pick and rolls for all the Lillard and Giannis pick and rolls are unstoppable. They've run like 40 of them in like six games which is not many, um, and they haven't been super efficient on those either, so that's got to get fixed. Uh, I think if Giannis and Dame were playing like themselves, it'd probably be look a lot better, even with the defensive concerns that they had earlier in the year when Lopez was playing at the level of the screen. Um, I think, honestly, if you just keep playing Lopez and drop, and Dame and Giannis, you know, play even, like, a little bit more like they did last year, right? They don't have to be as good as last year, but just, like, closer to that. They'll, they'll be fine. They'll easily be the second best team in the East, at least. But to beat Boston, you're going to have to be a lot better than that. Um, so I am concerned, but I'm not going to ring the, any alarm bells yet, like with Memphis. Um, last thing I'll touch on, because we have a little bit of time, Scotty Barnes. Um, he's doing that typical year two disappointment followed by year three leap. Um, we've seen this many times before. Uh, Tatum did this, where he had a great rookie year, and everyone was expecting him to be an all-star immediately. His second year, he was worse, and it was like, ah, oh, that's weird. And in year three, he makes All-NBA. Um, Scotty Barnes, he's doing the same thing, where rookie year, it was like, oh, he won rookie of the year, even though it should have been Mobley, or Cade, but whatever, he, he was still good, um, he won rookie of the year, year two, he was literally worse, um, uh, averaged the exact same points, worse efficiency, he was just worse, and in this year, he's a superstar, I don't, I don't know how it happened, but all of a sudden, he's literally a superstar, he's averaging 23 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 51, 42, 76% splits, um, his defense is awesome, his finishing is awesome, his shooting is awesome, obviously, like, he's taking step-back threes, he's running the offense, he's everywhere on defense, he's blocking three-pointers, um, now the Raptors are still bad, uh, what are they, three and four, 
Uh, yeah, the three and four. Uh, it's honestly worse than it looks. Like they beat the Timberwolves barely, and then they beat the Bucks in a very fluky game where the Bucks, you know, forgot how to play defense. Um, so again, the Raptors are not making the playoffs. Like that, that under is hitting for sure. Um, even with how good Scotty Barnes has been, Pascal Siakam does not want to be there. He's not doing anything. Then a Schroeder is playing like prime Chris Paul. That's not going to last. But anyway, Barnes, I believe this is real. This is very real. Um, maybe the 42% from three isn't real, but like the breakout is real. The defense is there. The assertiveness is there. Like he, he's a stud. He's making the all-star team this year. He was not a pick for me for most improved or to be a first time all-star. And that's my bad, my miss. He's him. He's it. He's here. Um, Right now, he's the best player from the 2021 class. Right, was it 2021? Yeah, 2021 class. Um, Cade has also been very good. We'll probably talk about him uh, in a future episode. But Scotty Barnes, he's here. He's arrived. Um, I don't want to run too long, but I just wanted to touch on him because he's been great. So that's it for this week's All Nets Are Off podcast. We'll be back next week with more NBA storylines. So yeah, we'll see you next Monday.